Harvest Australia Church podcast. We're so glad you're listening today. We pray this blesses you and encourages you. And if you want to get in touch with us or find out more about our ministry, please check out our website or social media. We pray you have a great day. It is our great pleasure to... Welcome Pastor Murray Avril from Brisbane, and uh, Murray's also here, he's going to be helping us with our college for the next couple of days, so he's going to be in at Southern Vales just helping out with some of the strategic stuff, and uh, we always need help in some of these areas, and Murray's uh, had a lot of experience from being a principal of a Christian college as well as a pastor, so he has a similar relationship and similar experience to our situation here and so we want to learn from some of that but uh, him and his wife Jane uh, travel a lot preaching in different churches now and seeing God do great stuff and I'd love you to stand and put your hands together for Pastor Murray Avril. Thanks very much. Thank you. You may be seated. What a great privilege to be here this morning. Uh, Bathroom offerings. This is good. This is fantastic. Whoever has gone to a restaurant, and it seems okay, but you'd like to like see what was really going on in the kitchen, but you can't get into the kitchen, so you go to the bathroom. It's true. Yeah. So what happens in those bathrooms matters. Uh, yeah, I think it's, I'm serious, I think it's fantastic. Um, well, it's, it's good to be here. Um, I love your pastors. They're easy to love, aren't they? Hey, what amazing people. Thank you for being for, for uh, having us here. Uh, my wife was to come and she's unwell, which is really sad. But um, how many, anybody had a birthday this week? Wow, fantastic. A- anyone on Monday? Just me. Anyway, you made May babies, fantastic people made babies. Yes, it was my birthday. Isn't it a great tradition that we celebrate birthdays? It's just a great thing. Every year, another birthday, celebrate and have, have gifts. At the same time, it's slightly curious because none of us can actually remember it. Isn't that true? So here we go. We celebrate every year something we can't actually remember. Do you know that's a God thing? It's a God thing. God created, if you, have a, if you know anything about the biology of it, that um, while our brains are functioning, quite intentionally God has made it that we don't actually have a memory. Because um, it's, it, it wouldn't be a good memory. <laughs> Here you are happily swimming around in the mother's placenta. And one day the message comes somehow through your hormones. It's time to leave. And I, I, I hope I, I don't um, make anybody squeamish here, but, you know, the skull does this. You know, God's created it. So it literally does this, collapses, and you get forced through that birth canal, and out you come, the other side, and uh, it, ain't, it ain't pretty. <laughs> I, I, shouldn't really, I don't even qualify to talk about it. I'm just the bloke who's standing alongside feeling helpless. <laughs> On our second child, I, I made the terrible mistake during 
during labour, I yawned. <laughs> any any would-be husbands, uh, would-be fathers here, here's a tip. Do not yawn while your wife is in labour. It's not going to go down well. It didn't go down well then, I'm telling you. But, uh, but anyway, yeah. But we all came out the other side and here we are. Isn't it a good thing? You know that uh, life is a series of leaving and entering. It started at birth and it keeps going. Ah. I was 30 and, and single and sort of thinking, I'd like to have a wife. Um, and some mates of mine were in a Christian rock band called Sons of Thunder. <laughs> oh. uh, and, uh, and they were going to do a gig at a, at a church on a Friday night at a youth thing and they invited me along so I turned up and they had a, a break during their first break the lead singer introduced me to this woman like woman <laughs> like whoa and uh, this is before internet before Facebook before, before mobile phones um, there's no, but I found out in this short conversation, her name was Jane. I was a teacher in a high school. She was a teacher in a primary school. And somehow, and it had to be God, because I don't know how we got to this, in this like three-minute conversation, we, we discovered that there was a family, this is on the Gold Coast in Queensland, and there was a family, it was actually a pastor of the church, and he sent his oldest son and daughter to my school, and I taught them maths, and they sent this youngest son to my wife's school, and she, he, the son, was in her grade three class. That's all I know. So I go home. How many people pass notes at school? You remember passing notes? You remember passing other people's notes? You remember passing notes for other people? Please, could you ask so-and-so if, if they are interested in me, if they like me? You know, do you remember that stuff? Uh, did, anybody, did anybody actually end up with a relationship out of notes? I did. I passed notes. The only difference was I was the teacher. So I went home. I went home. I wrote out a note to Jane. Would you go out with me? Here's my phone number. It's a landline, of course, back then. I took it to school. I gave the note to the girl that I taught. I said, can you take this note home, give it to your brother, your younger brother, and tell him to give it to his teacher? <laughs> Passing notes in school. It worked. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Baby, it worked. I get a phone call. Hello, I'm Jane. Hello, Jane. 30 years later, we're married. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, six weeks after that note, I proposed. She said yes. Yeah, that's the wow. She said yes. <laughs> Three months after the proposal, we got married. Four and a half months. I'm 30, people. I'm desperate. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's get in. Let's make it happen. The first year of our marriage, I'm sorry my wife isn't here because uh, you might think I'm telling tales, but she would, be, she would agree that our first year of marriage was terrible. It was just, I made some really silly decisions and um, that ended up just, we, we ended up living in a caravan because I sold our house thinking we'd buy a build. And anyway, the whole story. It was not a great year. And besides that, I'm 30. She's 28. We're used to being single. We've got to adjust. Yeah. Like marriage, was like, uh, 
I will never forget our wedding day. The most beautiful bride walks down. Fantastic. But it was still a leaving of singleness and an entering a new relationship. And it was a challenge. There's a whole lot of leaving and entering of life. Some of it's great. Some of it's awful. Some of it's associated with crisis. It's a crisis that triggers the leaving and the entering. But you think about it. We leave the womb, we enter the world. We leave at home and enter kindergarten. We leave kindergarten, we enter primary school. You left a home this morning, you came here. This whole series of leaving and entering. Um, I did ask my wife, just so you, you know, I don't know how many would be interested, but I, I asked her to send me a photo, um, a recent photo of our family. Would you like to see? Um, three of you, okay. Well, I'll show you. I'll show those three later. Oh, is it there? The only, this is what she sent me. It's Disneyland. Our family ended up in Disneyland um, this January. Uh, so uh, that's my youngest, that's my son-in-law, Jordan, uh, and my youngest daughter, Alice. That's my wife, Jane. Uh, and that's my oldest daughter, Emily, and her boyfriend, Alex. There we are. That's the deal. And they're fantastic. I love them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if anybody's had a leaving and an entering that's a challenge. Children of Israel, the, the, the Bible is full of leaving and entering. But there's one uh, that really does stand out. It's the children of Israel leaving Egypt. Remember the story? 400 years they live in Egypt. It started off good. It ended up bad. They end up, the Egyptians are threatened by them. So they make them their slaves to build their, their great structures in Egypt. And, uh, and they cry out to God for release from slavery. And God hears them and answers their prayer and he sends Moses and out of all that there's a crisis it's a, it's a very difficult leaving but they leave and God had a purpose in them leaving because God has purpose in our leaving and our entering if we will see it and this is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse um, starting verse 21 it says this uh, sorry 20 in the future when your son asks you, what is the meaning of these stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors." Leaving and entering, God brought them out, not just to bring them out. He brought them out to take them in. You know, leaving and entering is God's growth plan for our lives. It's his upgrade plan. God is always at work to bring us to new things, out of some things. It may be out of a particular situation we're in. It could be out of a career, out of a job, out of a relationship perhaps, but uh, more often, it's, it's out of the things that are internal. It could be out of a, an attitude that we've adopted, out of a mindset that we're holding, out of perhaps a behavior, out of a habit, something that God says, that's preventing you becoming the person that I've designed you to be. And there's a leaving and an entering that God always brings us out to take us in. Thank God. Isn't that good news that God is doing that? His heart is... Upgrades in uh, 
in Jeremiah 48 verse 11, they t- it talks here about a process that was used in these days for improving wine. You imagine they didn't have the filtering technologies we have today, so they would put uh, new wine into a jar, uh, once they've crushed the grapes, put it into a jar so that it would start to ferment, and some of the sediment, though, would start to settle down to the bottom of the jar. And after a while, they would need to do something about it. So what they do, they take that jar, pour it carefully into a new jar, leaving the rubbish behind. And then that process would get repeated. That was part of the process of winemaking. Well, this metaphor is used by Jeremiah, and he was recorded in Jeremiah 48 and verse 11. He says, Moab has been at rest from youth like wine left on its dregs, not poured from jar to jar. She's gone into exile, so she tastes as she did, and her aroma is unchanged. What God wants to do with us is change the aroma of our lives. Times that, from time to time, he'll say, okay, something needs to be upgraded here. And there's a pouring. We don't necessarily like the pouring. We like the old jar. I like being in this place. I was comfortable here, but God knows, no, it's time for a pouring because I want to do an upgrade in your life. I want to improve the aroma of your life. Yeah. Well, you know, this is not always something that we want. We could be resistant. Who loves change? Actually, in a crowd this size, you know, there are a few of you who actually love change. You know, you've ever seen the bell curve of a change? A few of you, like, can't wait for the new change. Woohoo, we're changing. Yippee. And then there's a few of you who go, well, if you talk me, you're into it. You know, I'll be okay with change. And then there's going to be a few of you who go, I don't really, really like change. And then there's a few of you, I will not change. I don't care what you say. I'm not changing. Now, that's just how it is. But uh, to some degree, none of us like some of the kinds of changes that can happen in life because they are traumatic. There can be crisis. There can be real difficulties. But we need to see what God is doing and work with God because he's taking us out to take us in. Yeah. Here's the great news. God is with us in our times of change, in our times of transition. He is there. In fact, this is what is recorded in Exodus 3, verse 7 and 8. It says this. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Mm, This is God's heart and intent. We can have a confidence that if God is taking us out, he's doing it to take us in and he is with us. He is there. He has a a good plan in mind. He is doing something good in our lives. He is with us. He will make a way. He also, if there is a suffering in this, if there's a difficulty, if there's a crisis where this is hard and challenging and difficult, we know this, that Jesus knows the suffering. He knows what it is. He's been before. He had his own Uh, perhaps he had many but the most significant of all time was when Jesus left his time on earth and went to the cross his moment of crisis so that he could enter into his glory for us and he knows suffering and he did it for us and so he is with us 
through these seasons and times and challenges. Yeah, absolutely. Um, How we leave shapes how we enter and who we become. How we leave and also how we then, if there's a crisis associated with the leaving, has a lot to do with, will shape how we enter and who we become. My wife and I went through a fairly challenging and difficult leaving and entering. And uh, God said something to us right from the start. He said, if you will do this well, that will qualify you for the future I have intended for your life. But if you don't do it well, it will disqualify you. How we do leaving and entering will shape the entering. Mm. Do we see God's heart and God's plan and God's purpose? So the children of Israel, you probably know this, but God brought them out, brought them into into the wilderness, and it was an 11-day journey to get to the promised land, but they took 40 years to do an 11-day journey because they didn't get it. They didn't understand. They didn't see what God was doing and work with God was doing, and instead they did it miserably, most of them, murmuring, complaining, upset, wanting to go back, causing trouble, difficulty, working against the plan of God. But if we will work with God, A 40-year journey becomes an 11-day journey. Work against God, the 11-day journey stretches. In fact, most of them died in the wilderness, never attaining the thing that God intended to bring them into. But God is bringing us out to take us in. Yeah, one of my, uh, perhaps my, my, I I have a favorite joke of all time. So I'm going to get, you know, my favorite joke. The the start of the joke is true. So um, in the school that I taught at when I met my wife, on the Gold Coast, there was a private airstrip next door. And on this airstrip, somebody started a business where they got one of those old World War I tiger moths. You know the kind of plane I'm talking about, the biplane, the two, two uh, wings and the open cockpit. You know, there's the pilot and the, and the passenger. And you could take a joyride out over the, the Gold Coast, out over the water. That is true. Now the joke, there's a lady who takes a joyride. And the pilot takes her out, and they're going over the ocean and doing all the tricks in the tiger moth. And uh, then he goes to do one of these loops. Her seatbelt wasn't done upright. She falls out of the plane. This isn't the true part. It's the joke. She falls out of the... But thank you for being with me. She falls out of the plane. She's falling towards the ocean. There's a ship right underneath her. She hits the ship. She smashes through the top deck. Smashes through the second deck. Smashes through the third deck. She's lying in the hull amidst all the debris. The captain and the crew race down. As they're about to reach her, she just hops up, brushes herself off. The captain says, that's incredible. We were thought sure you'd be dead. She says, it was nothing. I've been through hardships before. (laughs) Uh, hey, I wish I could have that attitude when I'm going through the hardships of life. But actually, we should have a, just a little bit of that attitude through the hardships of life. This is why Paul says, 
you know, in 2 Corinthians 4.18, he says, we've been knocked down, but we haven't been knocked out. We've endured, we've gone through some tough things, but they're not going to knock us out because we're seeing the purpose of God in our lives. James says, James 1, he says, he says, endure trials, endure sufferings for the joy set before you. For joy, endure it. When joy, endure, because you know that when you will endure well, it's going to work in your faith and patience, and that's going to bring you to maturity in Christ. This is God bringing the aroma of Christ out in our lives if we will see it. Yeah. How we leave will shape how we enter. Sometimes, sadly, the crises of our lives, the triggers of these entering and uh, leaving and entering, it is... Um, can be an injustice. It can be something that somebody has done to us, something fairly perhaps harsh and cruel and difficult that's caused a leaving. And in those times, the temptation is to be clearly upset, even to be angry, to want revenge. These are fairly, you might say, understandable human reactions. But if we entertain them, they will disqualify us. Even though somebody may have done that, remember the great words of Joseph after all that he'd been through and finally he's second in charge of Egypt and his brothers come to him and they're scared he's going to kill them. He says, no. Genesis 50, 20, no. What you intended for evil, God meant for good. Do we have a faith that God is bigger than people's cruelty, than people's nastiness to us, or what people might do against us? Do we have a faith, actually, that we can trust in God, that He is good, even though that may be the case, if we keep our eyes on Him, if we keep our hearts right, if we refuse to entertain bitterness and unforgiveness, and instead we just simply become forgivers? And I'm not saying this is an easy thing to do. I know from personal experience it's not an easy thing to do. But, oh, I want to keep my eyes on the goal. I don't want to be disqualified for what God wants to do in and through my life. And so, being a forgiver, continually putting those things before God. You'll know if you've done it well through this little test. Because when people do things to hurt us and wound us, and, and, uh, or maybe they don't do it to do that, but it does hurt us and wound us, if that's the effect on our lives then it's like there's been a hook. You know a fish hook with its little barb? It's like a hook has been put into our soul. And there's like that, they've got that hook on the line. And, and there'll be a reminder. You'll think about them. And it's like the, the, the line gets jagged. You'll think about that time, that situation, those words that were said, something. And it goes... But you choose to forgive, and you choose to forgive, and you refuse to be bitter, and you refuse to murmur, and you just keep putting your eyes on Jesus. And do you know what happens over time? The hook slowly melts. And one day, there's another trigger, and there's nothing. That day, you know, I've stepped into the forgiveness of God, and I'm qualified for what he has ahead. I love something Christine Kane says. She says, there has to come a time in life when what Jesus did for you on Calvary becomes bigger than what they did to you. This is 
This is the faith. This is our Christian faith taking traction. This is when, it, this is when you, is it, is it really going to happen in my life? There has to come a time in life when what Jesus did for me on Calvary, what he forgave me for, the sins that have been forgiven, the destiny that has been uh, available to me now through Christ, the inheritance is ours through that, that act on Calvary. There's got to come a time when that is bigger than what people do to me, what people say to me. And Lord, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to put that behind me. I'm not going to let that define me. I'm going to let what you did on Calvary define me instead. In Jesus' name. Yeah, how we leave shapes how we enter and who we become. Sometimes it's our own fault. Sometimes we make mistakes. I'm, I'm, okay, me. Not you, I can see the beautiful people of Adelaide or the perfect people of Adelaide. Hey, sometimes we mess up. We do things wrong. Um, sometimes the reality is, even though some people might do something against us, it's a mixture because we're not perfect. We have played our part. And so, you know, we, we sin or we just make a mistake or we do something silly, whatever it is, but we have played our part and we suddenly find ourselves that we've, been, we've now left. It, we've triggered the leaving. What now? Now, regret. Now, oh my goodness. It's good news for you too. Jesus is bigger than our mistakes. Yeah. God is bigger than that. If we will come to him in humility and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I've messed it up. There's no mistake that you can make that can derail the destiny of God in your life if you'll keep a humble heart before him. If you'll keep an honest, open heart before him. Lord, I'm sorry. And then we don't live in regrets because regrets will keep us out of the promised land. But rather, we receive the word of Romans 8.1. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who don't walk after the flesh, but after the spirit of the living God. People, are there, are there any people here of the spirit of God this morning? I thought there were. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then we see the, these children of Israel, they're just, they're just murmuring and complaining and, and uh, you know, the ten spies go out and say, ah, it's, they're, they're giants in the land. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes and, and all that stuff. You know, the grumbling and the complaining or even just the going over, the pain and the trauma of leaving some things, it won't make it any different. It won't make it any better. All of our ruminating over the past won't fix it. It won't change it. We can't fix people. We can't fix people by our grumbling. We can't fix people by our complaining about them. Even though we are right and they are wrong, we still can't fix them. And it's not our job to fix them. It's our job to say, God, I'm placing that in your hands. I'm placing those people in your hands. I'm placing that situation in your hands. And I'm putting my eyes on Jesus. And I'm walking into that destiny in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Wow. Absolutely. I, love, um, I do love that joke that, John, uh, that, that Bill Johnson tells. He, talks, he tells a story about the couple, old couple sitting on the porch at night. Uh, this is now sounding like Jane and I. We sit on the porch at night and they're, and they're having a wine. And uh, suddenly she says, I love you so much. I couldn't do life without you. He's shocked. He says, hey, wait a minute. Is, is that you talking or is that? The wine talking. She says, it's me talking to the wine. 
Uh, uh, I've got a segue. I have a segue. The segue is this. We're not meant to be talking about our mountains. We're meant to be talking to our mountains. You can talk about your mountain all you like and it won't move. In fact, all it's going to do is get bigger. Jesus didn't say talk about our mountains. He said talk to them. To those things that have come against us in life. And we've got a right in Jesus' name to say, God, I'm talking to that thing and saying, you have no hold over my life. You aren't going to define my life. You aren't going to control my life. I'm under the hand of God and he's working his aroma in my life and I'm submitting to him and him alone. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank God. You know, when we come through these situations, they can, they, they can be, they can leave a scar. You know, it's not like, um, you know, the blood of Jesus cleanses us, but it doesn't give us amnesia. You know, we can walk through life with a scar. Remember Jacob? His great moment of leaving and entering, his great transitional moment of life was when he slept that night with his, the rock as his pillow and he had the vision of the, of the, of the ladder ascending to heaven. And, uh, and then he fought with the angel. Remember, the angel touched his hip, put it out of, out of place, and he walked the rest of his life with a limp. He, he, the rest of his life he had a limp, but guess what? His name was changed. His destiny was changed in that night, in that moment. And through these things, sometimes there'll be, there'll be a scale, there'll be something, it's, it's there. We walk with a limp sometimes because of some of the things that we go through in life. But our destiny's been changed. And it's now a kingdom destiny. And I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Oh, yeah. I, just on Friday, I got a, a message about um, to the, an update on a wonderful story. And the story, there's a, it was a lady called Wendy and her husband. They... They had gone through a, a, a leaving that was incredibly painful for them. They, they'd been in a, in a church staff and things hadn't, hadn't gone right. And sadly, sometimes that can happen even in a church. You know, churches are not yet perfect, other than this one. <laughs> other, other churches out there, not perfect. And they'd gone through a very painful situation. But they, they hadn't taken their eyes off Jesus. And, and I got to know them. They, they started to attend a, a church I pastored. And we ran a certificate for a ministry. And Wendy felt to do that. And... Uh, but she felt that her ministry was not perhaps a typical one. She felt it was to be in prisons. And she started to go into a woman's prison nearby and uh, became a chaplain in the prison and realized that there were people there who were hungry for the things of God. So she wrote a Bible study that they could do in the prison. And, uh, and they started to take it up. And then she wrote a, a second study to follow up after that one. And then she wrote the th a third study. In, in Queensland, there are 8,000 people in prison 800 have done Wendy's Bible study and received Jesus. That's amazing. That was the update I got on Friday. 800 people have done her Bible studies. That's transforming something. That's because somebody said, I'm going to leave and enter well. I'm not going to be defined by that pain. I'm not going to let that keep me in the wilderness Walking around and around, I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus, keep taking steps forwards, let him vindicate. Do you know the best vindication, if there's been an injustice, is the life you start to live. You don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to fix them, adjust that. You just need to enter into all that Christ has for you. Wow. And that's what Wendy's done. 
What does God want to do in your life? What's ahead for you? And some of you, this morning as I'm speaking, you actually know the pain I'm talking about. For some of you, it's raw. It's real. Perhaps you're in the moment of crisis. There's a leaving taking place right now. And I trust that this message is a prophetic message into your spirit and your heart to say God is with you. He is with you. He will continue to be with you. If you continue to look to him and trust in him, he's going to bring a healing into your heart and your soul that you today may not even think is possible. But I want to tell you it's possible. It is possible. And there's a healing. There's an acceleration of healing going to take place in a few minutes' time in your heart and your life as you turn things over. Some of you, there's a, there's a struggle to forgive because of the, the extent of the injustice. And I don't know your story. I know mine, uh, but I don't know yours. And it could be deep and it can be very painful and there's a hook in your soul. And you know what I mean by the jag. And today... The Holy Spirit wants to come and melt. Melt the hook. Melt the hook so that it's not there anymore. It's no longer going to have an influence in your life. It's going to be gone. And you're going to be released into the destiny that God has for you. In Jesus' name. Ah, yeah. My wife and I, through one of these great seasons of pain and and transition, when, when, when sometimes things can look pretty dark, you're in the birth canal. It's dark in the birth canal. It's squashy in the birth canal. It's painful in the birth canal. Unfortunately, we don't have the amnesia of a, of a baby. We have the memory of the canal. And we know it is, it is tough in this season and time in God. But, you know, in, in that, in that uh, space, we, we developed this little phrase. It was a simple phrase. It was, what if? What if the future God has for us is greater than the past? What if we can leave all that pain behind and God and, and, and those people and whatever it is behind and we can look forward to greater things in God? What if He actually is with us through it all? What if He's working His aroma into our lives? What if? What if? Think about this. Faith is believing something you cannot see is going to happen. Let's say it again. Faith is believing something you cannot see is going to happen. Now listen to this. Fear is believing something you cannot see is going to happen. What's the difference? It's your choice. It's our choice. In these times, these moments, we can either adopt an attitude of faith and release all the destiny of God, or we adopt fear. And we let fear rule our lives. It's our choice. God has given you an imagination. You can use it for faith. What if? What if Romans 8.28 is true? That God works all things together for the good of those who love Him. What if? Woohoo! Wow! What if there's been challenge in the past, but there's a great future in Jesus? What if? Hallelujah! I can use my imagination for faith or I can use it for fear. And it's my choice. And it's yours as well. This morning, today, I believe God wants to say to some people, time to let the fear go. Even the fear of the change, the fear of the transition, the fear of the leaving. 
In fact, uh, I think some of you would know as I've been speaking, God's been tapping you on the shoulder saying, I've been asking you to leave that thing, whatever that is. I don't know what that is, but I've been asking you to leave that for a while and you haven't been. It's time. It's time. It could be an attitude. It could be a mindset. It could be a habit. I don't know what it is, but as God's been saying, it's time to step out and say, okay, the day has come because I've been living in fear of what I might lose. But all you've been doing is creating a barrier to what you may gain. In Christ, in Jesus' name. And the, uh, just uh, something else I felt this morning as I was preparing this, that uh, the story there, I, I mentioned of the 12 spies seeing themselves as grasshoppers. And, and some here this morning, uh, that you've allowed inferiority to rule you. And it's ruled you long enough. And this morning, your transition, the Lord is saying to you, it's time to leave inferiority. It's time to leave seeing yourself as less than what I've intended, what I've destined for your life, the person I've created you to be. And it's time to step out. Not, we don't want a lot of arrogant people running around here. But we want people who know who they are in Christ. A confidence. This is who I am in Christ. Yeah. Hallelujah. He's called me into his kingdom. He's called me for his glory. I'm an agent of the kingdom. Hallelujah. I can hold my head up in Jesus' name. Yeah, there's things God has for me on the planet. I love Ephesians 3.20, that God, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he's planned in advance for us to do. There are things God's planned for you. And some of them, I believe, and I'm not just saying this, you know, I believe this in the spirit this morning, there, there is far more for the, this, this, the individual sitting in this room and then collectively for this church than you can imagine. There's an impact in this city. There's an impact beyond this city in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. There are people of significance in the city that are going to be one because somebody stands up and steps out and says, I'm, I'm just a child of God. I don't have to feel inferior in Jesus' name, but I can step into anything God placed in front of me. Walking in obedience in the name of Jesus. Anybody receiving this word this morning? I wonder, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Yeah, stepping out of slavery, slavery to, to inferiority. And just a, another one, slavery to low expectation. It's, it is possible, perhaps, that the things of life knock us down and pull us down and, and we can just start to drop our expectations of life. And God this morning is saying to some people in this place, it's time to lift the expectation. Hallelujah. Yeah, there's something of you've been in slavery. If you, and you know, because it's going off in your spirit right now, you know, it's not just, it's like a slavery to low expectation. And we're going to break it off in Jesus' name this morning. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand together? Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah, let's just look to the Lord. Let's look to the Lord for a few moments. Mm. Hallelujah. If you would do that, I don't know if there's musicians who want to come up. It's fine if you do, if you don't. But if you want to come up, that'd be great. But uh, we're just going to look to God because I think God wants to do some things in the house. Hallelujah. In fact, it's already been happening. It's already been happening. There's been prophetic words going out during this message. Hallelujah. And if you'll receive them, they are seeds in your spirit that are going to shift some things, change some things in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Mighty God. Let us come now speak in the name of Jesus. 
Oh, hallelujah. There's, there's upgrades of authority available right now, this morning, if you'll step into obedience in Christ by just in your heart and spirit saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm no longer going to be a slave to that. It's time to come out of that slavery in Jesus' name and step in to all that you have for me. You're bringing me out to take me in. Lord, and even if there are triggers that are challenging and difficult, I'm willing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Jesus, for the joy set before him endured the cross. Hallelujah, mighty God. So right now in Jesus' name, Lord, we just want to come against the, uh, the, the, the spirit of, of inferiority, that grasshopper spirit that would say, you're not good enough. You'll never step out. You won't be, you're not as good as other people. That spirit of comparison, and in Jesus' name, I break its power now over your life. I say be released now into, into the destiny of Christ and into that mentality, that mindset that says, I am no longer inferior, but I am a child of God. Hallelujah. Listen to these words. Listen to these words. You are my son and my daughter whom I love, and in you I am well pleased. Hallelujah. The words of the Father, the blessing of the Father over Jesus are the words for you this morning. Receive them into your spirit. Hallelujah. God is pleased with you. He is delighted with you. He knows your flaws. He knows you're not perfect. He still loves you. Almighty God, in Jesus' name. Lord, anybody who this morning in fear, your fear of the change. Yeah, you know that there's time for a shift, but there's a fear about it. Lord, in Jesus' name, I want to break the power of fear. Lord, replace it right now with faith in your heart. Let visions come from God. Let Him lift your eyes in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mighty God. Oh, people in this place who have thought that financially you will always be in a place of poverty. That's a, that's a lie from the enemy. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Let's break that. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we say it's, uh, today uh, stands a mark of an upgrade for you. Oh, shifting, a breaking off of slavery to that mentality. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. A release. A release into all that God has for you. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. 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 You know, we're just going to do something, a prophetic act. We're talking about leaving and entering. I, I don't normally do this. So this must be the Lord. I normally just let people just, I love to preserve people's dignity and be nice and so on. But you know what? Actually, I feel like some people physically need to leave your seat as a prophetic act that I'm leaving something behind in Jesus' name. Just, and, and it means just stepping out and stepping down here. And if you know that's you, just do it. Don't, don't hesitate and just say, yep, yeah, I've sensed the call of God because as you're doing it, things are breaking. As you're doing it, things are changing. Things are shifting in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord together and uh, up the front here. Just keep reaching out to God. Hallelujah. Whatever it is He's doing now, miracles are happening. Pastoral team, if you want to minister to these people, that's great. But uh, God is ministering. The Spirit is moving. Things are shifting in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.